Hi there! Welcome to episode 29 of the Waveback Music Podcast. Today's episode is Metroid for the Nintendo Entertainment System and Famicom Disk System. Enjoy! Hello again, this is the Waveback Music Podcast. My name is Chris. And I'm Vicky. And we're here to talk to you about some of the most interesting video game music there is. Tonight we are celebrating the 30th anniversary of one of my favorite video game franchises of all time. It's eerie, it's incredible, and it's got some of the most unique music that the NES has to offer. Tonight we listen to the incredible sounds of Metroid for the NES and Famicom Disk System. I know that we said Dan Ryan would be with us this week, but an unforeseen scheduling conflict came up at the very last possible moment and he couldn't join us. Please send your hate mail to mail at geekade.com. I know I will. <laughs> Vicky, why don't you hit us with some history? All right. Metroid was originally released for the Famicom Disk System in Japan on August 6, 1986, combining the platform action of Super Mario Bros. with the open-world exploration of Zelda and putting in an undeniably cool space setting. Metroid was another groundbreaking title for the gaming giant in its day. The game sends bounty hunter Samus Aran to the planet Zebes. It's Zebes, right? Uh, well, you know what? I had been calling it Zebes for years, but according to Metroid Other M, it's Zebus. Is that even like canon? Yeah, it's canon. All right. Let's call it Planet <laughs> Zebus to destroy the space pirates. Their generals, Ridley and Craid, their biological weapons, the Metroids, and their leader, Mother Brain. It was one of the first games of its kind, featuring a gigantic planet to explore, an upgrade system that encouraged both backtracking and sequence breaking, and an unparalleled sense of isolation. It was a quick success and firmly cemented Samus Aran's status as a gaming icon, as the, the man in the suit. And Samus is the girlfriend. I'm joking. That was like a side thing. <laughs> when it came time to bring the game to the U.S., certain changes had to be made thanks to the NES's lack of disk drive add-on. The original three save slots were replaced by a somewhat cumbersome password system. And most relevant to this podcast, much of the game's sound had to be re-engineered to sound good on the NES's sound chip. Fortunately for us, the game was composed by Hip Tanaka, meaning that no matter what sound chip was playing to these tunes, it was near guaranteed to sound fantastic. That is absolutely true. Uh, fun fact, this episode is coming out on August 6th. So when this episode actually airs, it's going to be the 30th anniversary of this game. Woo. Now, Hirokazu Hip Tanaka has come up several times on this show before, so we don't need to delve too far into his history. He's composed for some of the very best in retro game soundtracks, including Earthbound, Super Mario Land, and Kid Icarus. This soundtrack, however, is a very unique one, not just for the NES, but for Tanaka in general. Where the bulk of his more well-known works are sprawling and joyous themes, the Metroid soundtrack is largely creepy and claustrophobic. It really goes to show the man's range and goes to show why he is one of, if not my absolute favorite game composers of all time. Now let's talk a little bit about our experiences with the game. I've already said a lot of this stuff on the Stone Age Gamer Podcast Metroid Retrospective series we're doing right now, but I know that I, for one, can never talk too much about Metroid, so 
very briefly, uh, my history with Metroid was um, I had these the, the posters that used to come with all the NES games way back in the day, as well as this uh, set of calendars, and they just had these great pictures of Metroid. And just from the just from the images of it, I was completely enthralled with this world and the world of Kid Icarus. I was so fascinated with both of those games, and it wasn't until I was maybe I'm going to say 12 or 13 that I finally got my hands on a copy of Metroid. And I remember telling my parents, I'm going to be in my room playing Metroid. Like, I don't want any disturbances. This is not like Contra or Ninja Gaiden. I need to play the heck out of this game. I grabbed some graph paper and I started mapping out the, the game. And uh, it was just an extraordinary experience. The, no game had felt like this one before. There was, I mean, obviously there was a new adventuring around in Legend of Zelda, but you'd talk to people from time to time. There was the dude in the cave and the crazy old lady. And, I mean, Super Mario Brothers is just fun and jumping, Mega Man, all, nothing had that feeling of just isolation and general uneasiness that Metroid created. And the sound design was a huge, huge part of that. And the fact that Samus turned out to be a woman in the end, I always thought was just super cool. Because in the original instruction manual, they kind of play up the whole, uh, his uh, secret identity is, is a mystery to everybody. No one knows who he is. And they referred to him very specifically as a man in the instruction manual. And then you beat the game, and then she pops off her helmet, and you're like, whoa, it's a girl? That's <laughs> awesome. Oh, boy, the... I mean, obviously, this series just just really has some incredible high highs. I mean, this particular game hasn't aged extraordinarily well, and its Game Boy Advance remake, uh, Metroid Zero Mission, does more or less replaces it in a lot of ways. But uh, like I said on the other on on Stone Age Gamer podcast, that uh, you can't really replace Metroid with Zero Mission because Zero Mission is kind of one; it's told as a retelling of her original mission and it's also the art direction changed a lot in that game from the nes to to zero mission and super metroid works as well as it does because of its very direct relation to the art direction of the original metroid so if you just replace the original metroid with zero mission you kind of lose a bit in the super metroid Arena, Super Metroid being an extremely good game, but I mean, between that and Fusion and uh, the original Prime, uh, God, there's so many great games in this franchise, and there were some missteps, to be sure. I mean, obviously, uh, Metroid Other M has its share of problems. While the game itself is fundamentally really fun, everything else about that game is kind of crap. Um <laughs> And I don't exactly have a high hopes for Metroid Prime Federation Force. It does not look very good, um, but I'll wait and see. You know, the game's going to come out. I own every other Metroid, so I'm going to have to buy that one too. <sighs> Vicky, what is your experience with this specific game? Or I mean, I guess Metroid in general, but let's uh, let's kind of narrow it down a bit to Metroid. All right, well, this specific one, nothing. <laughs> nothing, huh? No. Wow. So are you unfamiliar with this music too? Yes, this will be the first time I'm hearing it, unless it's in Metroid Prime or Metroid Prime 2, Echoes. Wow. Uh, some of this music might sound a bit familiar to you. I mean, obviously, they've remixed some of these tracks for um, Smash Brothers. Yeah. So some of these tunes might sound familiar, but wow, that's really cool that you're going to get to hear these songs for the first time. I'm excited. Uh, but yeah, I did play Metroid Prime, which was on the GameCube. I, I thought it was okay. 
like it was like fine for me because it was when like I was into like first person shooters and stuff like that. So it was pretty easy to get into. Um, I also played Metroid Other M, which I didn't like because, well, I hate the Wii controls. I just. Oh my God. I can't. Why in the world? I just. Did they force that controller onto that game? It's like like the same thing they did with um, Twilight Princess. I refuse to play Twilight Princess (laughs) because I just. It's so maddening. Donkey Kong Country Returns for uh, for Wii was a similar situation. Like, I, the Metroid one really bothered me because it's not a 2D game. So they're forcing you to play a 3D game on a D-pad. And it would have worked so well with a Wii Remote Nunchuck combo. And there's a lot of fundamental things in that game that are really good. Like, it, the, the way that you, you shoot the enemies and the exploration's all right and the close quarters combat things that you could do. But God, the story! Oh, oh! I mean, it's the game is so fighting against itself because the Ridley fight in that is probably the coolest Ridley fight from any Metroid game. It is an extraordinary battle, but everything surrounding it, like the story surrounding it, is so bad. It's so bad. Oh God, it hurts. Yeah, that's it. Those are the only. I played a little bit of. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, I Metroid Prime just blew me away. <laughs> I I love that game. I'm really looking forward to replaying it. I've been replaying the Metroid series just because it's its 30th anniversary, 30th anniversary, and somebody should be celebrating it since Nintendo clearly isn't. Yeah. How dare I don't know they? What that's about seriously Federation Force. This is what Samus gets for her 30th anniversary. A Metroid game without her in it. Poor woman. What the hell? Seriously. Like, I get why you're probably not celebrating the Kid Icarus 30th anniversary. Just... Me and six other people love that game. But Yeah, one of my coworkers does. We, I was telling him about this episode, and he's like, oh my god, I love Metroid. And I also used to play Kid Icarus when I was little, and I'm like, <gasps> yes. Those Now, it's really fun that uh, the original Kid Icarus for NES and Metroid for NES have a lot in common. They were... Uh, both developed around the same time. A lot of people work that worked on Metroid also worked on Kid Icarus. Metroids are in Kid Icarus. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I love these two games so very much. And Pit being one of my favorite characters ever. Uh, it's a, a, a delightful, delightful game. Um, but we're going to focus today on Metroid. So let's jump right in. Yeah. Now that all that's out of the way, let's get to the music. Um Much like our Zelda episode, we are going to be doing a few comparison tracks where we're going to listen to the original Famicom Disk System versions followed by the NES versions that we all know and love. Some of these tracks sound very different on the Famicom Disk System than they did here in the States, so if you've never had the pleasure, prepare your ears for some very cool stuff. Track number one is the title screen, and this is probably the biggest difference. Um, Again, very similar to Legend of Zelda. Um... Both of these versions work remarkably well, but um, there's some really specific uh, chime sounds, like some really spacey, spacey sounds in the Famicom version that are just incredible. So uh, here we go. Let's dive right into track number one, title screen from Metroid for the Famicom Disk System.
various title screen from the Famicom Disk System version of the original Metroid, and wow, <laughs> that song gets me. That song gets me every That's time. It's a pretty um, uh, foreboding song. It is, and then it it just takes that. All of a sudden, it's beautiful. It's just it's very very dark and dreary, and then it just takes that turn where it gets very major chords and and sprawling and spacey and just wonderful and then the whole the, the the tempo change and everything like right towards the end there and then it goes right back to foreboding and dread mm-hmm. it's such a dynamic track it's tanaka is absolutely incredible at this stuff and knowing that so many of his other songs i mean the the, the probably the my favorite soundtrack of his that we've listened to on the show would be super mario land and just the complete difference between the type of music in Super Mario Land to this is is just the divide is humongous, and really listening to the Super Fam- uh, sorry the, the Famicom Disk System version of this like that deep trumpety synthy sound that sounded really silly in a lot of the uh, Zelda music we listened to, uh, it actually kind of works with this one and the extra echo that's kind of playing off of all the little twinkly starry sounds. Um, it's just a gorgeous piece. Uh, uh, Vicky, what'd you think of this one? Um, yeah, this is like completely different from any of the other stuff he's done. He's like really versatile as a composer, like to compose something so like sweet and precious from Super Mario and then like to this. Yeah. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I'm glad you did. I, I'm, I'm I liked how dynamic to- it was. It's definitely all over the map there. It's it, it just fits together mm-hmm. so well. All right, so now we're going to listen to our track number two, which is, again, it's the same song, but this is the NES version. This is the version that uh, us here in America heard and knew and loved. Um, it is a, a little bit more simplistic as far as like the amount of instruments that are playing at the same time, but I do think it translates extraordinarily well to the NES uh, in addition. I mean... Great job all around. Uh, Here is the American version of that song we just listened to, title from Metroid.
that was title screen from the original Metroid on NES. And uh, it, it's, it sounds considerably different, really, without that extra synth track. Um, but I really, without, with the, the fewer sound channels, I think they were really intelligent about what to leave and what to, to keep the same. I'm particularly impressed with the, um, the very almost clarinet sound that they were able to, to, to get these notes to, to hit. I don't know, it just really reminds me of a, a, a clarinet or maybe an oboe or something. Just it's such a, a, a beautiful piece. I was listening to it again, like I was comparing them, and it was pretty funny how they were extending it from the NES version, like they were just kind of tapping the notes, like doubling mm-hmm. it up, Yeah. so it would yeah. kind of extend it, because I guess the NES wasn't able to produce that kind of sound. Yeah, the the FDS had some some more uh, interesting tricks that they could do. So whereas like to create that echo effect, they would just mm-hmm. play that note or repeatedly at different volumes on the FDS. It seems that they could really make a, a better echoey sound effect just That's on its own. So interesting. <laughs> it's very well done. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's move on to our next track, uh, which is going to be the uh, Brinstar, which is kind of the main Metroid theme as far as a, uh, people who haven't played a ton of metroid games this is the song that most people remember um as a matter of fact i believe on our facebook page uh because wave back music podcast has its very own facebook page these days uh and we had from i believe my friend mr chris chung he wrote that uh brinstar hands down is the best track in the game and I don't agree with you on that one because the ending music, I think, is the best music in the game. But this is a very close second, uh, and we're going to just sprinkle it in with a little dash of the Enter Samus theme because what Metroid game is is complete without the Samus appearance jingle? So uh, here we go with our track number three, Enter Samus slash Brinstar. Enjoy.
right, again, that was Brinstar from the original NES Metroid, and I swear that song is as brilliant as anything that Kondo wrote for Super Mario Brothers or Zelda. That song is just so, so good. It's so invigorating. It's so uh, start-your-adventure kind of thing, but at the same time, it has just this ever, ever so slight dash of melancholy to it, just the way it sounds just kind of slightly hollow, but it's so good. Such a good track. Uh, uh, Vicky, what'd you think of this one? I recognize that one. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Yay, it was exciting. <laughs> it was really fun. It's a very good theme song. It is. It's it's kind of uncharacteristic, really, given the rest of the the rest of the places in the game. Um, Dark and really, spooky. <laughs> exactly. It really works because, like, it, it's not... Brinstar in this game is not the, the the game gets way harder than just Brinstar. You know, it's not like Brinstar is easy, but by comparison, when you get to the other areas in the game, the music is considerably more foreboding, and uh, it's <laughs> you get back to Brinstar, and you're just like, okay, all right, there's some joy to be had here because <laughs> uh, everywhere else in the game is. You know what? It's really interesting now that I think about it is that most of the rest of the place in the game are very ugly. And I mean that not from an art direction, like very intentionally so. Like they're very like these creepy bubble rooms and where there's just everything's made of these awful purple bubbles and stuff. There's lava and caves and ruins like nothing is pretty uh, elsewhere in the game, whereas Brinstar actually has some very interesting looking locales like there's 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 plant life in Brinstar, um, whereas the rest of the game is very, very desolate. So the music really matches that, where there's there, there's twinges of joy in Brinstar, and everywhere else on the planet is just hopelessness. <laughs> well, it seems like it does fit for such a pleasant-sounding song. It, it's, it is that. <laughs> okay, uh, now let's leave pleasantness behind. Yay! And head to Norfair. Norfair is... Um, Darkness! Um, it is, uh, well, I'm not going to say no. darkness. Okay. It's a cave area, but there's fire everywhere. Oh. So, yes, Norfair is a very hot part of this game. Uh, it's the 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 heat-centric area, and this song kind of reflects that. It is uh, it is very desolate and very hot, uh, and this is a really interesting track. So here it is, track number four, Norfair.
Once again, that was Norfair from Metroid for NES. Vicky, what do you think of that one? It's a pretty funky song. <laughs> and not in like the, the funk sense. <laughs> as in like a... Not like a George Clinton no. kind of... <laughs> <laughs> no, not like that. <laughs> like a... The, the little like offbeat pause. I was like mm. listening to it and I'm like, what? What is the the tone? What's the tempo for this? It's very off kilter. It's very. It works though. It does. Yeah, I liked it's... it a lot. Like it sounds like a, a cave song. Yeah, it's it's just very f- hot, dry, nasty cave with some really uh, the monster design in Metroid is so cool. <laughs> it's so good, <laughs> and uh, boy oh boy, this 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 area. There was much there. There was much death. Uh, my first playthrough of Metroid involved a lot of dying, and even to this day, it's still this game is just relentlessly difficult, um, and in dire need of a map system, which they thankfully added to later installments. <laughs> Yay! That means if I ever play, I'm going to die ten times as much as you. That is not an understatement. Okay, here's here's what you do uh, when you play through the game. There's codes that you can enter that may, there's like a great code called Narpus Sword. And you type in in the password system, Narpus Sword, followed by a bunch of zeros. And you're invincible and you have unlimited ammo and weapons. And then you can just coast through the game and don't worry about dying. Just run through the game and think about all the times that you would have died if you didn't have that (laughs) That that, uh, code in there. I mean, it's not like I like the suffering, but I, I want some of the accomplishments. Like, whenever I play Dark Souls, it's all sadness all the time. I can't even get past the first boss. And he's like the, the tutorial. It's it's awful. Well, uh, in, in that case, you might want to go with uh, the Justin Bailey code, which just uh, you can still most definitely die, but it hooks you up with some, uh, some items and whatnot off Ooh, the bat. And right. you play as Samus without the uh, power suit. Okay. And you just run around as Samus with green hair because of NES sprite work, <laughs> lack of a, of a correct colors. Anyway, uh, yeah, um, God, this game is hard. Uh, and speaking <laughs> of hard, uh, the next two areas are the kind of sub areas, right? You have you have Brinstar and Norfair, and then each of those areas goes a step further. So, Crade is the area that um, is kind of sub Brinstar. So this is like going deeper into Brinstar and uh, it's a very creepy area uh, with a very creepy boss a big fat lizardish looking thing called Kraid and uh, this music matches that extremely well this is a this is a really creepy song and a really really great creepy rendition they did in Zero Mission 2 but um the the mu- the sounds in this one are uh, just make it sound much more lonely and desolate uh This is a great, great track. So here is this evening's track number five, Kraid.
Metroid for NES, and I love that bass line. I love the bass in this track. I think this is my favorite song so far. I thought it might be. I figured this one was right <laughs> up your alley. It was so, like, fun. In a very creepy sort of yeah, way. Yeah, in a creepy yeah. way, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it's it's fun to listen to, but yeah. it doesn't evoke fun, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's it's not like you want to go out and play ball to this, but uh, it's <laughs> such a fun composition like the way it just kind of scales up and down and then just cuts out to the really little the really little quiet uh, do, 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 yeah. do, and the the bass just kind of humming straight underneath it oh it's brilliant brilliant piece of music uh, okay so yeah craid uh what a boy what a creepy track and what a creepy boss and uh man i love metroid is it weird i like the creepy song no, not at all. It's, <laughs> it's a great song. It's a great, great song. Uh, okay, let's move on to another pretty creepy song. Here is, uh, this is the sub-level to Norfair. So this is where things are even hotter and even more dangerous. Uh, and where you get to fight the dragon boss Ridley, who mm. has been in you know pretty much every Metroid game. Uh, Ridley is awesome. Even tiny creepy purple ridley in uh, the nes version is pretty awesome <laughs> spitting fire at you all over the place um and this is a great track uh really sums up his lair pretty darn well so without further ado here is track number six ridley <laughs> Uneasy feelings. I don't know what does. That was uh, again Ridley from Metroid for NES. Uh, and this only plays when you are fighting him. No, this is the entire area, like its entire chunk of the map. Oh God, uh, that would be really upsetting. It it is because <laughs> it's really hard. <laughs> like it's real. Things will kill the crap out of you. <laughs> this sounds like Ridley's a really lair. stressful song. Um, you know what? Uh, Ridley's Lair in Super Metroid is even more stressful. <laughs> it's awesome. Um, <laughs> man, uh, yeah, this was, a, it's definitely far from my favorite track of the game uh, to listen to, but it is very effective at what it, for where it is in the game. You know, it's, it is, uh, it, it is creepy, it is unsettling, and uh, it, it really puts you on edge, uh, especially because I, I remember getting it to this point in the game and just being, ever so slightly cocky with like, you know, just busting out the missiles and whatnot and just things would hit you and your energy just drains. Just, you just get knocked to the head by a, a giant side hopper or a Desa or something and you would just be 
decimated shot after shot and you'd be like all right i can take a bunch of hits i've got like 13 energy tanks i can kick this thing's ass and you get to the end and you're just like man i am getting pounded here and you've just got to keep farming for health and you finally fight ridley and it's just 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 badass it's just badass the great track uh so those are the main areas of the game um there's only one other area in the game besides uh Brinstair, Norfair, Crate, and Ridley, uh, and that would be the final area of the game. But before we get to that final area of the game, there is a um, a track that is called Silence, um, uh, otherwise known as Item Room. Um, this is a, a track that has stuck around through a lot of Metroid games uh, over the years, and this is a really, really interesting song. It's I remember hearing it for the first time when I was a kid and thinking that it was kind of goofy, but really unsettling at the same time. There was something really unnerving about the composition of this song. It's very erratic. It's it's kind of all over the map, but it is really... It, it's quiet. It's creepy. And it is... A, it's, I, didn't real, I didn't really appreciate it until later of, of just how genius this, tr- this track is for the types of situations it was used for. Um, so, uh, let's jump right in to track number seven, Silence. That was silence. Vicky, what'd you think of that one? Um, all right. This is kind of like the Star Tropic song, the secret room of that one. The like really <laughs> high pitched noise again. Yeah. Is is that like the noise for spooky rooms? <laughs> I or, guess so. Or secret rooms or something? I, I guess so. I mean, well, Star Tropics probably took a the folks who made Star Tropics more than likely played this game at some point. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's kind of a similar situation where it, it, it you almost feel like you should be safe, but you you're never safe in Metroid. So you're not safe at all. No. Okay. Like, unless you're in the actual room where you get the item, you're, there's usually not things out to kill you in that room. Ugh. But you usually have to pass through some sort of corridor in order to get to that room. And there's monsters everywhere in there too. Like, it's it's how you know you're on your way to get something interesting because that music only plays when something interesting is about to happen. And so, it, for some reason, it always kind of put me on an extra edge. Like, okay, I can't die now because I'm close to something. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, but it, it could be high jump boots, it could be the screw attack, it could be the ice beam. But I'm close. And um, Boy, what a, what an odd what an odd little song, isn't it? It's just so yeah. weird. <laughs> it's just so weird. Um, and they reprised this uh, in in future Metroid games. Uh, in fact, they even used it in Metroid Prime. It just sounds very different. It's uh, it's it's very subtly used in Metroid Prime. Um, it's used brilliantly in Super Metroid, which is I can't say enough good about that game. It's one of my all time favorites. It's it's top five without a doubt. Super Metroid's amazing. Um, but yes, uh, that's Silence. Great track. Let's move on to our track number eight, which is Torian. This is the only other area in the game. Uh, this is a completely metal lair, and this is the 
place where you actually run into Metroids, which in this game were terrifying. They're, um, especially if you didn't go with an ice beam. So, you know, you have the option to get the ice beam and the wave beam, but you can't have both of them at the same time in this game. The wave beam is far more useful in the regular chunk of the game because it can it just goes up and down. It hits all over the place. It's very powerful. Uh, so if you make the mistake of playing through this game for the first time and going into Torian with a wave beam instead of an ice beam, you are screwed because the only thing that can kill Metroids in this game is freezing them and then shooting them with five missiles. Five? And, yeah, five <laughs> missiles. Uh, and if you've never encountered a Metroid in a game before, uh, Metroids are free-flying, uh, just space jellyfish that suck the life out of you. Yep. Uh, they're, they're terrifying creatures. And one thing about them in Metroid Prime is they never really seemed as big in Prime as they did in these games. Like, I know it's a, a lot of that has to do with the perspective, uh, the first-person perspective, but... Holy cow, man! These things just get on you, and just your health drains. And they're they're terrifying, terrifying creatures. Um, and and as well, they should be. That's the that's the point of them. All right. So in Torian, the, the place where you first meet the Metroids, and this is also on your way to the final battle against Mother Brain. Uh, this is some very stressful music. Um, it's not very dynamic music. Uh, it's a relatively short track, thank goodness. Uh, but boy, oh boy, like there's the only things that are in Torian are these little circle things that just float at you and eat your health and Metroids uh, and then eventually Mother Brain. So am I going to have some anxiety? Should I like pre prepare myself? For this? I, I would I would think prepare yourself a little bit. Maybe it's so stressful just because it's related to the part in the game that it's at. <laughs> Because, uh, man, you get to that final room with uh, Mother Brain in it, and um, there's a different track that plays there, but it's not even remotely interesting to listen to, so we're going to skip over it and just listen to Torian. But um, uh, let's do it. Here's track number eight, Torian. I didn't like yeah. that. <laughs> Quite upsetting. It, it seems like a time level. No, nah, there's well, no, nah, there's it, no real time limit in Metroid uh, except for good. the next part. But uh, uh, I'll I'll tell you about that in a bit. But it's it's I like the little thing because yeah. it's, it's you there's it's all electronics and lava. So it's like you've got bubbling lava and, you know, just the weird bleeps and bloops that would come with all the computer technology around. So it's it's very fitting for where it is in the game, but it's not really a track I listen to much on its own. So you play through the game. Mm -hmm. It's hard as nails. You finally get to Mother Brain. You th shoot her with like 300 billion missiles. She finally blows up. And I remember getting to this point in the game being like, yes, I did it. And then the game says, self-destruct sequence initiated GTFO. <laughs> and a timer shows up and you're just like, what? And you have to go through this door and there's this giant corridor with these teeny, teeny, tiny platforms in it. And you're being timed 
to get the heck out of there because you set a bomb to blow up this chunk of the planet. I hate when that happens. <laughs> You're like, oh, it's over. This has been the hardest game of my life. And then they're like, uh-uh. Uh-uh, one more. Be one prepared. More. Do it. And it's just, it happens. The timing is so good. And this track is... Oh, I, I go back and forth between this or the ending being my favorite tracks in the game because um, this, boy, this song is so invigorating to just get you to where you're going. And it's really interesting because I like this version better than the Famicom version. Um, the, the instrumentation is the same, but this track is longer. There's like an extra chunk of the song that was added. And uh, some would say that the um, Famicom version being shorter makes it a little bit more intense. I just think this this piece is perfect with the NES version. I, I think the whole thing works flawlessly. Uh, and man, I love this escape sequence. Um, I, the escape sequence kind of became a thing in Metroid. Like that, that winds up happening a lot throughout the course of the series. But man, I will never forget the first time this happened to me. Just being like, yes, what? And this music just... It, you can't even be mad at it because the music is just like, all right, got to do this, got to do this, go, go, go. So, I, I ain't even mad. <laughs> I ain't even mad. All right, here is track number nine, Escape from the American NES version. Escape that was exciting. Wasn't it? Yeah. That wasn't even like scary or anything. It was like, here I am. You better run. And then it's like a little happy. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's cause it is slightly relieving because there's no more monsters trying to to get you. It's very invigorating. It's just but the it's world. Still, ex- exactly. It's just like, all right, I got to get out of here before this bomb I set goes off and kills everything. <laughs> um, it is stressful at the time, like when you're playing it, because you're jumping on these teeny tiny platforms, oh, and if God. you miss one, you just you fall. I'm not good. You at fall that. so far, and it's like it's tough. So. In practice, in in the game, it's it's very it's a very stressful point. But this music really kind of t- adds just the right amount of calm to it, so that you can stay calm and hit those jumps and make it out of the planet alive. Uh, great track, great great track. Love this song. Okay, we're on to the final two tracks of the night. These are both going to be the same uh, song from uh, competing versions of the game. The first one we're going to listen to is the Famicom Disk System version of the ending music. Um, Hip Tanaka makes some great ending songs. Just really, really great. Uh, Rocket Ship Ride from Super Mario Land being one of my favorite. Uh, but this guy right here, this is a real winner too. Um, this is one of those instances where I, I kind of feel like the NES version has a leg up on the FDS version. Uh, I know it has the extra track, the, the extra sound channels and whatnot, but... And there's really pieces of this that melodically work together so well, but there's something about that instrument that the FDS uses, that kind of fart trumpet thing that they got going on, that I just I just don't love it. Um, so while the composition I think I may like better in the FDS version, there's something really, really charming about the NES version. But um, the really, they're both ex- extraordinary tracks. So uh, let's go ahead and listen to track number 11, uh, sorry, track number 10, ending from the Famicom Disk System version of Metroid.
<laughs> I love that track. That I was, love that song. That was amazing. <laughs> oh, I really love that song. It's just really listening to. I I listen. I've listened to the NES version of this ending theme countless times. And hearing the extra little pieces of instrumentation that were in the original Famicom Disk System version just drive me nuts because they're so good. They're so interesting and so subtle. It is pure hip Tanaka. I just, oh, God, I love it. But I got to give the nod to the NES version. I don't know if it's just because of my affinity for it because that's the one that I grew up with or the fact that I just don't love that that synth instrument that they use on the FDS. It's very overpowering. Um, and it had a very similar effect in Legend of Zelda too. There was just these kind of droning notes that went over everything and almost seemed to drown out some of that subtlety. What, that Whereas horn I, thing? Yeah, that kind of horn sound. I yeah. liked it. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> it is It, it is pretty neat. Um, it is fun. It is neat. But there's. I feel like the NES version because the instrumentation was more limited, it turned out to be a bit more even. Because um, you, you'll hear uh, you know, the, a little bit more of the bass and a little bit more of those subtle notes in there, and they're not being drowned out by that other instrument that it always just kind of feels out of place to me. Uh, either way, really, really, that track, I mean, it gives me chills when I listen to it. And That part around one um, thirty, I love that. Where it got really the... Dancey. Yeah, where it got a little bit. I'm like, oh my yeah. god, this is great. I love the part right before that too, where it gets really high pitched. Mm-hmm. But I th- I like it better in this NES version we're about to listen to because again, the 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 that kind of droning note really disappeared, and it was almost it was kind of disjointed, like it disappeared and then it came right back in. I feel like it's a bit more even in this version, and oh, it, it just pulls at my heartstrings every time I hear this song because number one obviously the relief of I finally freaking beat Metroid but also just it's a gorgeous piece of music and it's it just Tanaka really knew how to make the NES sing so this is my favorite track of the night also the last track we'll be listening to this evening here is track number 11 ending from the NES version of Metroid
Hooray! <laughs> that was like a completely different song. It does. It has such a different feeling. It was it's much happier. I. It's. Oh, I love it. I love it. That part where, that high pitched part I was talking about before. Yeah. Um, all the the other the other supplementary notes that are playing underneath that part just they feel like they have such a more of a spotlight without that other synth sound coming in there and it just it got that kind of military vibe right at the very beginning and then right again at the very end and then it's just pure happiness on the inside god i love this track it's so well done even that part in the beginning of the song is like less harsh yeah it really is it really really has like I said, it, just, it feels so much more even because it's just using that bass NES uh, set of sounds that you can make with it. And I feel like with a lot of the FDS games, you have this kind of synthy sound that doesn't really match the other really more bleeps and bloops that the NES could do at the time. You know, it was very, very... It has this one chipset, and then the FDS just kind of adds these couple of extra tracks that are available that sound almost like a totally different system playing with those other notes. And the title screen music, for example, in the FDS version, I think really handles that well. And and when handled properly, it can work. There's some, some great instances of this in Kid Icarus, for example. Um, but kind of like what I was telling you earlier in the show, uh, Metroid used that really interestingly in that whereas say like legend of zelda you had a couple of different sound effects here and there the majority of the sound effects in the fds version of metroid are completely different uh if you go to the metroid database which is a great metroid fan site it's, it's just phenomenal there are a couple of tracks that you can there's a track you can listen to uh that's just the sounds of the fds version of metroid playing and listening to it the doors sound different. Your weapons sound different. Everything is much more visceral. It has a very spacey, 70s sci-fi sound effects to it. It's really, really remarkable. Um, and I, I, I couldn't honestly tell you which one I like better. I mean, because obviously nostalgia paints it to an extent because I played so much of the original NES Metroid. Yeah. But boy, listening to these totally different sound effects i mean the game sounds even with the majority of the music being exactly the same the game sounds so different it's it's crazy Whew. anyway uh, <laughs> great soundtrack do you have as <laughs> it is what i do uh, do you have any uh any, any parting thoughts on on uh, metroid before we call in tonight i do not there are too many things on my backlog to even think about this one i'm so sorry <laughs> That is more than okay. Um, I have it downloaded, because and you sh and you should totally play it sometime. It was like super cheap one day on the um, the Wii. Oh Wii. yeah, I think the they had it for like thirty cents or something ridiculous yeah. like that one time. And it was awesome. How do you say no to the to, it, to this game for? I know really, as as inexpensive as it is. But seriously, if you can play these games in the order of their release. It is an experience that is unprecedented, at least for me. Playing this one, then the evolution from this to Metroid 2 for Game Boy, and then the astonishing evolution of that to Super Metroid, which is one of the finest games ever made. Um, and just the way that Super Metroid plays with your preconceived notions of what the game should be based on those previous adventures... It's just uh, this franchise deserves every ounce of respect that it's gotten because it's just so well done. 
Uh, so yes, if you haven't played Metroid before, do yourself a favor. Uh, it's on 3DS, it's on Wii, it's on Wii U, it's on Game Boy Advance, for crying out loud. There's <laughs> tons of ways to play this. It's going to be on that cool new uh, anniversary, whatever, Nintendo Entertainment System Classic Edition oh HDMI God. system. It's going to be on that thing, which looks amazing. I'm so excited for that. I am too, and I have all those games, like <laughs> ten times over. I don't care. I want a little tiny Nintendo to hold in my hand. <laughs> Oh, it's 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 amazing. I'm so excited. Um, but yes, happy 30th anniversary, Metroid. Uh, I can't believe this game is 30 years old. Uh, it's so worth playing. It really is. This franchise is extraordinary and very well worth your time. All right, that's our show. Um, real quick, before we move on, I do want to mention something that Geekade is doing. Um, on August 20th, 2016, uh, I don't know when you were listening to this episode, <laughs> uh, but yes, on August 20th at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, we are starting the Geekade Pain in the Assathon, which is a charity streaming event. We've partnered with the Colon Cancer Alliance, uh, which is a great colon cancer charity. Uh, and we're going to attempt to raise money for the Colon Cancer Alliance by playing pain in the ass games for 24 hours straight at least. Uh, I'm going to be playing, I'm going to be involved. I'm going to be playing uh, Link Faces of Evil for CDI, which is one of those dreadful CDI Zelda games. Oh my God, I'm so excited. Um, I, sh- I hope you stick around for that one. That one I'm going to be doing at midnight on uh, the 20th going into the 21st. I will I'm definitely gonna... at least be on Twitch for that to like <laughs> awesome. watch if I'm not there in person. We have, uh, let's see, uh, Dean from the Paper Cuts podcast will be attacking Bubsy and Claws Encounters of the Furred Kind. Uh, the director of Ring the Bell will be attempting to beat Super Mario Brothers, which he's never done before in his life and should be extremely frustrating. Uh, Mike Tyson's Punch-Out will be played. Sword Quest Fire World. VVVVVV. Uh, Someone should play um, Octodad. <laughs> That's a good one. If our schedule wasn't already full, I would totally add him. Hey, maybe there's maybe next year. Um, we we have stretch goals in place, so I mean, if we make our our goal of a thousand dollars is what we're we're looking to earn. If we make that goal, we'll go for a little bit longer. We have some great things on deck like um, Battle Toads, uh, ET for Atari twenty six hundred. No. Like, oh yes. <laughs> We are prepared to go as long as we need to, um, and it's all for a good cause. So if you're not doing anything, August 20th and 21st, 24 hours of straight Geekade members suffering through some of the most pain-in-the-ass games that we could think of. Um, we really look forward to seeing everybody there. Or Tell a friend, tell everybody. If you want more information on it, head over to geekade.com, and uh, we will be happy to oblige. Tune in next time where we'll be doing a special Mario Kart episode. We're going to take songs from Mario Kart 8's live recorded soundtrack, which is phenomenal, and compare them to their original versions. It should be a very interesting listen. As always, we would love to hear everyone's thoughts and memories on this game, so um, we've made it easier to do so with our new Waveback Facebook page. Just search for Waveback on Facebook, and you will find out more information on whatever games we're doing next, uh, and as well as having a nice convenient place to talk about them. Of course, you can always still send us emails at mail at geekade.com. And while you're at it, check out all our social media channels, which you should totally follow, like, subscribe to if you haven't already. And be sure to check out all the other great content we have on our site over at geekade.com. Thank you again for listening.
good night. Mm-hmm.